What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr, and today I am sitting down with Dorge from Fire Knock and Dave Murray from Vital Limits. Today's conversation builds off the last time I had these guys on, so if you haven't already, please go back and listen to that conversation. It was all about the fundamentals of arrow shafts, and in this conversation, we're talking more about arrow shafts, why Fire Knock developed their own arrow shaft, what makes it better than the competition. We're also talking about arrow straightness. Is it just marketing jargon or does it really matter? 0.001 versus 0.006. What's the difference? And much, much more. These guys are super, super smart and eager to help. So if you guys are having any questions, give us some feedback. Get a hold of me on Instagram, Cam the Cameraman. Get a hold of Dorge. His email is in the description of this podcast. Visit Fireknock TV YouTube channel or however you want to get a hold of us. Please get some questions going because Dorge and Dave are eager to answer your questions. So without further ado, let's get into today's podcast. All right, everyone, I am back live with Dorge and Dave Murray from Vital Limits and Dorge from Fire Knock, obviously. If you guys haven't already listened to last week's episode with Dorge, we covered um, the fundamentals of aero shaft building, and this week we're going to be moving on. So you need to understand last week's conversation to understand this week's conversation, but uh, we have a good one in store for you guys. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. This is Starch with Finock. Oh, pretty good. Hang on. It's Dave from Vital Limits. It's good to have you guys here today. George, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today I want to sort of brush into the what what is the material that will impact on the carbon fiber tube, which is what the aero tube we're talking about. So I think before we start all this, I need to sort of clarify a few definitions because I think a lot of people got confused. Because see, when people say, oh, I got carbon arrow, it's pretty much the same thing as that I got a stainless steel fork. What does it mean? I mean, you know, you can get a fork in Walmart for like 15, like 15, a dollar 50 for 10, and you can get a good fork for like 40 bucks. They're both made of steel. The same thing with the, with the carbon fiber. First of all, I, I, lot, I saw hopefully a lot of people are you are with fishing. So I'll just sort of lay out the basic knowledge and basic terminology of carbon fiber. So right on the, right the get-go, the carbon fiber is, the, uh, the basic form is called impregnated carbon fiber. What it is is that then we've got the word like, uh, in the case of fishing like IM6, IM7, IMX, but in the case of carbon fiber manufacturing, it's pretty much called your, your 24 ton, your 28 ton, your 32 ton, and your 40 ton. The word ton is implied as the, the structural, the, the bending strength that we can exert it on it without bending. I know the word ton is not really used, but because uh, some people is called million module. So that's the reason the word ton was used quite a bit. So the higher the, the module or the tonnage of the carbon fiber, the less the material you can use, the lighter it gets, and the stronger the carbon fiber is which means that the higher the modulation, 
the stronger the spine, the weak, the, the also stronger the arrow. But there is a trick hook to it. As the carbon modulation goes up, the, the, the brittleness of the entire process of the carbon fiber also increases. Now that's on the carbon fiber side. And the same time as we move into weave, the weaving process of a carbon fiber have two steps to it. One is the physical weave process. The other is the fiber that you weave process. So basically your one-to-one -one ratio and the two-to-one ratio, 90% of the market right now using the two-to-one ratio. And that itself because it's cheaper and easier to make. But just again, you imagine when you put your two finger to what between your two fingers, like holding two hands together and you put a finger crossing, you can see there's a lot of gap in between. As the fiber filament diameter increases, when you put two fiber together, like you've got a one fiber, let I me mean, just use example. Imagine you've got a one, uh, one millimeter fiber weaving into a one millimeter fiber. Your resulting height is actually closer to three or more like a 2.75, 2.8. But as you decreases the fiber's size, the the, what, what you see, why is this important? It is important because as you imagine from two to two points, from two, one piece of fiber of one millimeter to the fin finish of 2.75, that 0.75 is resin, which means it add nothing to the strength and add everything to the weight. Now, as we decrease the fiber size and tighten the weave, the amount of ratio of resin will decrease and will increase the strength, reduce the weight, but you also can increase the amount of layers on the same amount of space. Am I helping? So in the case, let me sort of put it back in, in, in the summarized terms. On fiber-wise, the higher the K value, the stronger uh, the carbon fiber, the supposedly the better the result of the aeroshaft. But you also have to balance with, if you do that too much, the arrow shaft become extremely brittle. And the case of the cloth, the lower the K value, the more expensive and better it gets. Okay, I didn't talk about price, but I need to. From 1K to 4K on the carbon fiber, the price is, imagine if 1K is $1, 2K will be two bucks, 3K will be four bucks, and 4K will be $8. Mm -hmm. So it is, exponentially go up. In the case of fiber cloth, a 4K cloth assuming is $2, a 3K cloth will be more like $8, mm -hmm. and a 1.5K will be 16, while a 1K will be more like 32. Mm -hmm. So the numbers are very, very dramatic. But unfortunately, is that in the case of making carbon aeroshaft, the amount of material cost is not that much. Because as you imagine, the lighter the arrow, the less material you use, although the price is double, but not really that dramatic. I mean, if you are generally, say, assuming that a normal arrow, say you can get Walmart cost of a buck, a 4K fiber, 1K weave arrow will cost about 32 bucks. Mm. In the, in, I mean, that's how ridiculous it can get. Okay, I get that out of the way. Because see, until you understand that, we can't talk about carbon fiber construction because they oh, you get why didn't you just use 4K, 1K? 
you can't because then you may end up with the shaft one a hundred percent four K one K. You may end up with a shaft that will cost you over a thousand dollars a dozen. No, I'm serious. It can be that ridiculous. Would that be the ultimate arrow though? If if price wasn't an issue? Yeah, I would say that would be because that's the best material we can possibly put together. But then you also need to understand in the, the world's retail market of an arrow shaft. I mean, let me give you a hint of, if you get say an arrow about 70 cents in say in Vietnam, out of Vietnam and or out of say China or so on. First of all, you're shipping cost to it. And then a lot of people are not aware every single arrow, arrow that's sold in US is subject to excise tax. Mm-hmm. That means the US government will automatically put a number. I mean, it doesn't matter the arrow costs $1 or $50. The US government at this moment of January is about 53 cents a piece of tax. So if you think about it, if you get that, that it doesn't end up for $50, right on the get-go, there's $6 of tax on it. Mm-hmm. That is paid by the manufacturer. It's the first, whoever made it had to pay that. That's called the arrow shaft excise tax. And so people say, oh, I got this dozen arrow for $20. You need to ask yourself this question. If the arrow costs $20 and there's $6 in tax, the guy's making money, how much does it cost to make that arrow? Right. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are not familiar with this fact. So until you understand, wait on the get go, there's tax on it. I mean, the same thing with all your components of every single thing that go on a boat, there's 11% excise tax on it. So people say, well, how come the stuff, just like you buy an air arrest, there's a hundred bucks. And if you buy from, say, a manufacturer like myself, I have to pay the U.S. government treasury department $11 for the air arrest that I just sold. And then if you think of retail market and so on in three tiers, that can be very significant. Yeah. Okay, I mean, now I get the basic material fundamental out of the way. At least people know we will have some base on what I'm talking about. Why, if you say, well, why not you just go make a 1K, uh, 4K, 1K arrows? Because it can be that expensive. But then when you make something that expensive, the 52, 53 cents based on when the US government come up with the numbers, by the way, that number changed. It used to be 55, 60 cents. Now it's more like 53 cents. So every year on January, we'll look at what the excise tax number is. The 11% on all archery, bow equipment do not change. Now, George, you have two different shaft options as far as sport weave and arrow weave. Um, you want to yes. tell us a little bit about kind of how that came into effect? Why? Oh, sure. Perhaps maybe why, why it why it took a few years for say dealers to urge <laughs> that to happen <laughs> well uh the reason i make two shots because the original you you can imagine i don't want to make anything unless it's the best the the the, the arrow weave is based on the two u.s patterns. actually i have five u.s patterns originally i withdraw three of them because those three are for manufacturing process and i i'm convinced i have no way to build them in u.s so it's no point for me to do the manufacturing utility pattern. I would just keep it as a trade secret. And the two other pattern is the process. You can have the product in hand. I can show you that this is how it's made. That's the reason my two patterns for the arrow weave is only on the shaft itself. 
Now, as you, as you remember, last week we talked about the basic carbon shaft started with extrusion, which means the fiber or linear. Then you go into multi-layer directional impregnated row, which is what 90% of what the aeroshaft out there. Imagine the first layer, like 15% to the left, the second layer, 15% to the right, and then a third layer, 15% to the right again, and then to a 30 degree again on the top, and then five layers. So by doing so, you blend the direction of the, fi of the fiber and you give the arrow loop strength. So that means just in case if you break it, it will not spur like the original first generation carbon fiber that you end up with all the sharp pieces coming out. And if you look at any of the pictures on the first generation carbon fiber accidents, that's exactly what that is. And doing a multi-layer, it prevented that, but you create a whole new set of problems. Now, as, as you recall from last, uh, last episode, we talk about if you do that, your arrow have a lot of torsion in it. The more, the, the higher the angle of each of the layer and the resulting layer, the arrow have more torsion. Can you balance it in some way? I think GoTip did a really good job. I think Black Eagle do a wonderful job and there's other company do less good job. And that's the reason the torsion is so bad. But unfortunately, in the, car, in the arrow industry, in the, in the entire industry, nobody understands the word torsion. They just think about bending. They don't think of torsion. And then since the moment I understand how bad torsion is, I have to find a way to counter it. And uh, we can mechanically counter it. That's the reason I was, I was using the carbon weave cloth to counter this. So in other words, if you want to prevent the carbon shaft from having torsion, you need to start on the material side. So I start with the 4K, 4K weave to start with. By meaning a weave, that means the first layer, you need to think about on the arrow weave stuff is four layers from center to out. The first layer is a 90 degree, 180 degree weave. That means the fiber laid longitudinal and loop wise which means that the moment you flex the arrow, the arrow can only flex one way, linearly. But the problem is that if you do that, that arrow have no linear strength because the fiber that we put on it, only about a third of it have actual ability of the strength. Because can you imagine, if you lay the carbon fiber cloth at 90 degree, 180 degree, the 90 degree, yes, is indeed the spine of the shaft, but remember, it's going up and down between the carbon fibers. So it's linear structure spine strength is actually very minimal. But then I also recognize the fact is that on the first generation ultra low strength carbon, the linear from front to back carbon have one very major benefit. It is where the spine of the shaft is. So if I'm able to lay fiber from front to back in a purely near form and using a higher modulation. That is the, the layer that I control the spine number of the shaft, isn't it? Hmm. Now, if you have these two layers, the moment when the arrow breaks, the, the fiber is going to come out like a spur again, isn't it? But we also try to control the torsion of the shaft. So what happened is so on the third layer, then on an arrow weave, I actually lay the carbon fiber at 45 degree and 145 degree, 135 degree. So in other words, if you think about it, 
on the first and first and third layer, if you look at a cross section, you look like an English flag. So at this moment, when you bend the shaft, using layer two as your spine control, the layer three is your torsion control, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But since the layer three is on the outside, the moment when you bend them, the 45 degree and 135 degree can create issues because when you bend them, those are at 45 degree, they can crack easily. That means that you lower the loop strength. That's the reason the fourth layer, the outermost layer of the arrow weave, the fourth layer and the first layer are the identical. They are mm. also 90 degree and 180 degree. Now, by doing so, there's a few major downsides. Is that first of all, the construction is extremely complicated because every single layer has to be precise. Because in the old days, you can be like about 30 degree. Now you had to be 90 degree and 45 degree exact. But then you also have fiber of the 4K, 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 uh, 4K, 4K weave. The fiber gets very thick. The resin between the one, three, and four layer are actually quite a bit, which now increase the weight of the carbon well, of the entire aero shaft. But doing so, you also have one problem. You're dealing with a lot of resin. So the strictness of the arrow become a gigantic questions. Because everybody looking for the outside to be something like one thousands. That is the reason the first generation arrow weave was not very straight. But I thought that I'm using a CNC machine to grind the outside what I can do better than one and a half thousand, no matter what. Well, I was wrong because there's so much resin underneath it. As time goes on, the resin, as you bend it, the resin start doing weird stuff. That's reason back when I first generation arrow weave, I, I, I was flawed to find out some, after CNC one, one and a half thousand in my hand after four months, can you can be close to 9,000. Mm. <laughs> I was so freaking beside myself. Sorry, there's no better way to say it. I was beside myself. And I learned how to control it and so on. We increased the pressure of the entire rolling process and I finally got it right. Now, but then also, another thing that a lot of people do not understand when you, when you lay so many layers of the carbon fiber weave in it, weave carbon fiber cloth, that's a huge amount of resin in it, isn't it? How do you control the weight perfectly? You can't. So we have to go through another sorting process. That's the reason when you buy an arrow weave, mm. every single row have a certain number on it. The number is that the, all the arrow have been sorted and then so on. I mean, in the case of uh, say a normal arrow world, when you buy from say Goatee, Black Eagle, they're all sorted within 1000, okay? Mm -hmm. And when they make those basic cloth shafts, when they say make a, say a shaft is 200, 200, 200 grain out, the entire lot is between 202 grain to 298 grain. The variation okay. may be five grains. Mm -hmm. But in the case of a weave, especially on a 32 inch shaft based on a say, 250 grain shaft, that lot from our manufacturing process, the variation is closer to 10 grains. Mm -hmm. That means I need to resort them and then do a one grain increment and repackage them. Wow. So that's the reason when people buy from us, I always ask my dealer, okay, what's, what grain sort you want? 
Yeah. And of course, people say, oh, this is no good. But then they didn't understand why that is such a big difference because it's a whole different process. Right. I have one, then, I have one question before we go um, further. Mm -hmm. So you said if you don't want to dive down this rabbit hole, you don't have to. But the reason for your process is to control torsion. And yes. you mentioned that most archers and people in the archery world don't understand what torsion is or what torsion does. So what, what, why is torsion bad or having too much torsion bad? What, what's the result? Okay, in the old days, torsion is really not that bad because we don't bend the shaft, we don't demand the shaft so much. But as we increase the speed of the arrow, we, we increase the compression ratio. Like when we move to, a, say, a 55% off all the way to 90% off, the compression cycle is so much more dramatic. As it's dramatic, that means that imagine the arrow, you know, they just slightly bend and it comes out. But in, in the case of recurve bow, it bend and then you bend once, it relax and it's done. But in case of a compound bow, the entire cycle was very flat. Let me decide with say 80% off, all the way to high power, flattened, and then come down. In the case of recurve, it's high to low. That's it. But when you have so much pressure in such a short time, the shaft is significantly being compressed. The bowing of the shaft is increasing to bow. It's a bow once. As it increased to bow, you increase to torque. Mm -hmm. And then the heavier you got on the front, the worse it get. The longer the power stroke, the worse it get. The higher the, 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 the let off, the worse it get. That's the reason torsion becomes such a big deal because now most people are shooting 80% off. People like to shoot the thin shaft. The people like to shoot the heavy FOC. That is the reason torsion becomes such a big deal. But that is still not a big deal. If, if you shoot low speed enough, the mm. vein is no longer a factor. All the torsion is actually bad if you have veins. Mm. <laughs> yes, that means if you shoot a shaft with, say, no veins and you have torsion, it actually do not matter. Do you know why? I don't because the drag factors of the vein. As you imagine, you shoot over 315 feet per second, your drag factor becomes so significant. That's pretty much you will keep on me talking about the 315 feet per second, because that's where the aerodynamics become such an important, become dominant factor. Okay. So that's the reason, you know, we, we talk about torsion, but if you are a guy who's shooting 280 feet per second, the torsion is not gonna be that important to you. Okay. And the same, because at that moment, even you use arrow vein, which is aerodynamic vein, it's not going to matter. I'm very glad you point that out because see, a lot of people say, well, why does it matter to me? But in most cases, it may not matter to you as long as you do not shoot high speed, as long as you do not shoot heavy MOC, as long as you do not shoot, say, thin shaft. But the fact is that if you don't shoot high speed, all the factor we talk about is minimized. Mm -hmm. Which is why a lot of people say, oh, well, you shoot so good. It penetrates so deep and whatever. At that moment, every single thing that we learn in high speed, especially, of course, right now, as you can imagine, a lot of people do not recognize. Over 60% of the archery kill is on crossbows. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember when, uh, uh, when John and they told me that every 10, 10 archery equipment he saw in Pennsylvania when he was with PSE, 
60 of uh, every 10 of them, six of them is crossbow. Wow. And people don't recognize it. But remember, crossbow is also not just sold in archery shop. It's sold in finger hut, all kind of uh, a cheaper place. You can get a crossbow for four, five hundred bucks on a mail order. Those are your big numbers because those people are out there and shooting those. But then they don't understand why the, the, the thing don't behave. Because see, the moment you go to crossbow, the, you can easily pass the 315 feet per second. That's the reason people say archery equipment is not reliable, it's not made for long distance and so on, because this is where we learn the, how the arrow shaft construction is such a dominant factor. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I mean, depends on how we will, but I can easily see the next five episodes. We talk about arrow components and how they, they impact the performance of arrow. But of course, if you shoot technically under 280, 270 feet per second, a lot of stuff we talk about may not even be seen. I mean, just like people say, if you only drive 45, 50 miles per hour, aerodynamic is really not a big deal, isn't it? But imagine you try to go down a highway in a truck at 90 miles per hour, that's a square box. Yeah. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So your process is to basically uh, manipulate spine, and try and control torsion through construction of the shaft. All right, it's a physical it's a physical restraint to control torsion. Got it. In other words, we just simply instead of hoping that the the the, the, the multi layer directional impregnated carbon will give you a decent spine, we actually engineer the spine to be linear. Mm. Well, but but like. Like quite a few dealers call me and say, Dodge, this stuff is great. But the cheapest arrow weave is 160 bucks. We tell 159.95. I mean, we like to sell your stuff only. So what happened to the general guy will come in, want a decent shaft? Can you do something about it? I say, I have a rule is that I don't make something that everybody makes that is not 50% better. But you know, they sort of twist my arm really hard. I mean, they really did twist my arm. <laughs> They say, can you make something just like the others, but make it slightly better? I say slightly. That's a very bad word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do I don't do things slightly. <laughs> so I say, how about this? Since I learned my original fiber construction from one of the top manufacturers, I mean, I know Marvin Carlson, who used to be one of the inventor of Gold Tip Arrows. He used to, he he is the he used he was the CEO of Gold Tip. And I learned about how the carbon fiber process works. How about we just do a gold tip arrow, but we add a 90 degree and 180 degree weave on the outside. Hmm. So then in other words, I did some, I got a slight torsion control, but I will lower the cost over 50%. Hmm. And that's the reason I mean, I, if the result comes out, it's decent. You get the load, you get the protection that I wanted because the number one problem for 90% of people is that they don't flex before they shoot. So just in case if the arrow break, it end up with spurs. But with the with the uh, 4K, 4K, 4K weave on the outermost layer, if the arrow did break, it will only break where the weave cross is. So it becomes reasonably safe. At the same time, we also give you a, a, a very good look like the arrow weave. That's the reason now, I make the spot with, yes. And 
I mean, as far as the price of Arrowweave being in that $160 range and what some of your micro is a little bit higher than that, really, that's oh, yeah, not that. bad. I mean, really, it's not that bad because, you know, I don't know what the current price is, but last year when I was looking at uh, like gold tip pro velocity shafts only, you know, it, it, they were in that $170 range um, just for shafts. Are you so, talking I mean, dozens really, there? Yes, a dozen. Uh, okay. Just a dozen. So, I mean, really, when, when you're looking at high-end shafts um, mm -hmm. purchased by the dozen, you know, the, the Arrowweave is really priced very competitively. Yeah, what is the well, price? $159.95 for the basic 4K, 4K. But because of that, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, if this is the first time last year, no, like two years ago, a lot of my customers loved the 204. I really think the 204 is one of the best size hunting arrow shaft. I mean, which is where the same size as the Eastern Access. But that was what, there's three downsides to it. One of them, you can't use an insert because uh, you have to use a half out mm -hmm. or an outsert with it. Of course, also doesn't work. So and half out is the answer. But the problem is that with a 204 using a one 4K 4K, you are pushing about 11 to 12 frames per inch. Yeah. So in order for me to do that, I, I have to lower the entire, each of the weave have to be lowered. That's the reason I go to a one and a half K and then four and then one and a half K weave 4K fiber and then go to a true 4K linear fiber on layer two, one and a half K on layer three, and one and a half K on layer four. The, on the material side, right on the get-go, the price jumped 300% mm. on material. That's the reason the, uh, the 204 light, which I'm able to get about eight grains per inch from 12. So there's a third lighter, but I have to increase the price to 219.95, like 220 bucks a dozen. But then uh, uh, so many customers love the 166, which we'll talk about the benefit and downside later in this episode, if you guys want, is that one and a half K is not enough. I need to go 4K with it. Uh, 1K, 1K, another way, 4K fiber, 1K weave. Yeah, the 166 shaft should yeah, really be so, talked about with the concept system involved in there because I, I think that's going to be the uh, game changer. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And 166 I mean, shafts. In the future, when we talk arrow concept, I think the 166 is going to be critical. And so is all the crossbow and the packer shaft. But in the 166 case, I'm able to drop them to about nine green per inch on the 166 size. Of course, if you're doing extrusion, now see, this is problem is that a lot of people even make really, really cheap 166. Do you know why? And be reliable. Because when you extrude or when you do super thick layer of 166, just powder on it, the chance of it breaking is pretty low, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because the wall is thick. So you can technically do an extrusion of 166 and be cheap and be durable and not have that much accident. That's the only the problem with that is the, uh, the wall thickness plays a factor in downrange as far as recovery. Well, definitely. But in, in some cases, the extruder 166 on a true one-to-one -one performance ratio, they're actually better, which is, that means the cheapest 166 will actually perform better for most people. It just don't have longevity. And the breakdown of resin will kick into play. So I'm shooting, so, a, I'm shooting a 166 arrow that mm -hmm. has, and this is like marketing terminology, thick wall technology. And... Um, <laughs> Mm, I, yeah, that, 
definitely marketing. Yeah, I paid $174 a dozen for those shafts. Um, so I feel like your price point, and that's at 11.2 grains per inch on a 166. Right. Just put it this way. To make 166 lightweight, there's two ways to do it. You either go 100% linear and hopefully the, the thick enough wall would really cause it to break. The other way you can do it is that you go ahead and make it as thick as possible so that the cheaper material can be used. So the moment you 166 with expensive material, you really get expensive fast. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why you look at a Carbon Express medallion. Those are 600 bucks a dozen. Mm-hmm. Those are raw shafts. We haven't got a porn vein or anything on it. Those are the, I've been trying. Those are, to, I've been trying to steer the uh, um, some of the vertical bow shooters um, who have the one six six mentality, uh, who shoot high let off bows uh, towards um, like the Sport Weave three hundred and use that into a, into a build, a build um, because the wall thickness cuts down and that's a great shaft to use um you know in terms of recovery and i've had guys blow through deer with that shaft with uh vertical bows and i think that that's a you know a huge a huge price point um you know for guys stepping into a a target shaft versus you know also having a a hunting shaft because a lot of guys and i i I think this is where the concept system is going to come in it probably has to be a a whole, a whole uh, podcast in itself. With of course, the it has to be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of inseparable. Um, well, I understand that, that, but you know, I, I try to go with the fundamental of the of the of the individual component first, because see, we jump into a once. Actually, I think it would not be bad when we move to one six six. We'll recap some of what we talk about today, but yeah. you need to understand each individual step first before you can talk about it. Because if you don't know that, say. Why do you even bother with torsion? What is the impact? Why is it important? Well, unfortunately, the general archery public really do not care about a lot of that because first of all, they don't shoot far. Second, they don't really know what's going on. They sound like, well, you know, I got my penetration. Then the next thing you ask yourself, are you sure you mean penetration? (laughs) <laughs> what do you, do you really understand what penetration the target means? It was quite funny. I mean, I could, I, I saw. I, I have to help say this out. The guy told me he got fantastic penetration with a one six six. I say, with his ninety percent at off ball. I say, do you recognize any time you shoot a target under twenty three or twenty four yard, your arrow is seeing target at an angle? Huh. A lot of people do not recognize it. But if you shoot that same arrow, same weight arrow in the 300 size, even at 18 yards, the arrow is straight into the target, not at an angle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's about that's that's another thing we want to take. The, like this reason I want to saw add the the arrow diameter difference and what benefit and downside you get out of it. So why not everybody just make one size and be done with it? Because each of the size of the arrow shaft. Technically, all arrow shafts have the same amount of carbon in it. Then you sort of tweak the carbon, the tonnage, which is the, the K value, and the weave value, and the direction. That's where it, it's, it's sort of like... <coughs> just because you can write English doesn't mean you can make a novel. That's where the art of building come in to play. And in most cases, what you want to deal with is balance. 
the better you do the balance, the better the product. I mean, just like lightweight is great, but it can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Weight is fantastic, but you drop too fast. Diameter shaft, the larger it gets, the stronger the shaft by basic two principles. But the thinner it gets, the more durable it gets <laughs> because the wall is thick. Well, that's some of the, the reason thickest... why like crossbows use, you know, larger diameter shaft versus well, you know, when you start to get a high speed, not everybody's micro. Right. I mean, just like uh, uh, two years ago, Bionet come with a 204 shaft. But have you looked at the wall size of those? Those are technically uh, uh, like a 204 with a 250 spine, or actually 200 spine. So the final OD is no different than, uh, say, the 246, 200. Because at the end of the day, no matter what size diameter you got, the amount of carbon fiber to maintain the spine rating of the shaft is the same. Mm. Now, just the question is that, what is your loop strength? What is your spine strength? What is your weight? And finally, as the arrow travels, what is the torsion behavior of the shaft? Now, so, torsion is going to mm -hmm. be basically, if I'm understanding this correctly, when the shafts have torsion, it's kind of energy loss from another side of the coin other than flexing. Correct. Not just that. Because in, if you don't use a vein, torsion really has very little effect. Because as the shaft torque, the, 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 the point is pulling it forward. But the moment you talk, the thing is going back, left, right, left, right, left, right, on every single cycle it goes. Now, when it torques and, and flexes, mm -hmm. what happens to the internal shape of the shaft that plays a part in energy? Is it uh, kind of oblong like a pear? Is it more retained, more circular form? Is there anything like that? It's actually oblong like a pear. One side is, that's a good, good, good way to say it. It's more like an egg when you look at a cross section. But okay. then the thicker the shaft, the more you prevent that from happening. That's reason. But then when you go cheap on making manufacturing process on the linear shaft, the torsion now have no, nothing to prevent it from talking, isn't it? Because there's no sideways or a circular restriction for the shaft to talk so which means that mm -hmm. so, so your shaft through your construction um in ideal world prevents the pear-like shape from happening internally and retains more energy correct that is that's exactly a very good word you said the whole process of doing it is the more energy that you control the way that you want to expense it the less the unnecessary effect that you do not want to happen, which is also spending energy. Which so is despite, exactly... Mm -hmm. So despite feet per second, just based on pure construction of the shaft, the way you do it, mm -hmm. you're going to look to retain... Your arrow downrange is looking to retain and hold more energy because it's expensing energy while maintaining the integrity of the shaft. Thank you. That's exactly the point. Thank you for pointing it out that way. But then we also have to understand as the arrow flexes and talking, we have veins on it, isn't it? Yeah, because that's the now imagine going to be fighting the head and everything else. Not right. even coming into what the boat's involving into it. 
but but then remember the 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 slower the bow, the less effect on the vein. But nobody has so, slow bows now because everybody shoots the fastest bow made by the manufacturer, right? That's that's the, that's the mentality. <laughs> but then actually they all shooting slow bow now. You know why? Because see, the moment they got a brand new three hundred and thirty five feet per second bow. They go ahead and throw, say, a 100-grain insert, a 150-grain point on it. So what does, what does that mean, the arrow weight? From the oh. 350, now you look at 500. So oh. how did a bow that's supposed to shoot 335 feet per second with a 500-grain arrow? What do you think the speed's going to be? 270. I would tell you it's under 270. <laughs> right. So in other words, you're, you, you are not shooting anything newer. The bow that you bought in 19, late 1990s will have the same speed as the bow you have now. The only thing is that my bow shoots 335. If you shoot a 355, 350 yeah. green arrow, but you're shooting a 500 I, green arrow. And I think, I think the issues are, are, like you said before, more significant when we talk about the newer bows. With Shoot, some of these bows, I think, have like 90% let off plus, and it's got to go yes. through this draw force curve that, is really adding an inconsistency, um, potentially downrange to the arrow because it doesn't have well, a smooth. The, the more let off, those, the the cycle is not as smooth. I mean, I, I remember we I talked to quite a few bow engineer. They all said, told me straight out, the best arrow is somewhere between five point one to five point two grain per inch. Wow! If you use today's best best bow with the highest performance, let me explain the word performance. In my terms, the fact is that we find out on a on a one six six shaft 30, 30 inch draws eighty percent of off at sixty yards with basic standard everything you know uh, twelve grain twelve percent FOC the whole deal at sixty yards you can lose as much as thirty eight percent energy of the shaft. Jeez. If you shoot a 55% off, the number is 18. Now, this is this becomes critical because when we start talking your shaft with your arrow components, this mm -hmm. is these are percentages that you put back into the bow for the shooter. Because I get asked oh, no. a question all the time, you know, <laughs> well, what, what does this do for me? And you, you you explain this, they don't get that, and then you say, Well, in short, what does it do? Does it do what does it do for me? Well. I said on the minimum side, you're probably looking at about 10 to 20% more efficiency in the arrow downrange. Plus, well, actually, I mean, you uh, be more than that. Well, the best I ever done, I do uh, one of my absolute, I would say, king of vertical bow arrow builder. At this moment, because what he have done will be Jerry Martin out of X-Wing Custom. His arrow at 60 yards, they're using everything I know of. Lost less than five percent energy. Oh my god! Well, <laughs> I had a, I built one arrow that when I did it in early tests and was which was actually what your two point system. I built based on a, a cheetah arrow, that I mean we didn't have arrow weave back then, but um based on that arrow I was nine point five percent um feet loss in feet per second at at fifth at fifty yards. Um, right. It started this is out, where, I think, 310 feet and was something 281 or 289 at 50. I forget the numbers off my head, but I called up Rick McKenney from Carbon Tech. And, and I started questioning. I said, well, you know, what is 
well, what am I supposed to lose, like, percentage-wise, you know, some, say, 30 yards? And he's, he's like, well, you could be as much as 20 or 30%. I said, well, I lost, like, 9.5 at 50. What <laughs> it, and then I started talking to him about the, the, the building, the concept system. So it was an interesting conversation. But, you know, as soon as you, impl- as soon as you implement um, the concept system, I, I mean, with the veins, everything is just, wow. Well, this is where the problem is. You see, everybody, I mean, I, I, I know the crossbow wheel better now. Because first of all, you shouldn't, right now, we might, like, like lately, you've got, what, three bows out there shooting over 500 feet per second, which aerodynamic now is super king. The sharp performance is super king. The nut is needed to be a whole different ball game. I mean, I, I, 2022 to 2023, you're going to see a whole new stuff that I come up with because of the demand of those 500 feet per second ball. But then what you're really looking at is loss of energy of the shaft. If you shoot a lightweight shaft with the wrong spine, the vein drag is going to be so critical because your speed is so high. Aerodynamic now take precedence over everything. So if you have a bad wing, say two and a half degree helical, say on a Raven arrow and shooting 400 feet per second and using a weaker spine, you can lose up to 45% energy at 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes exceed more than half. That means yeah, if people you don't realize that there's so a, speed there's a... is not the key. Sorry. No, 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 like along with that, when you have, I mean, just simply said that it's based on poor recovery of the shafts is why we're losing so much energy down range. But at the other end of the ball game, when the shafts is flexing, the point changes direction. It's like trying to hammer a nail directly into the wood. It goes right in, but a little bit off, you're going to smash your thumb. The nail doesn't go anywhere. Well, actually, that was another problem. You said, we, we, uh, I will sort of give you a preview. On another episode, we'll talk about titanium. We are talking about microflex now. Because see, the moment you have steel and you have microflexes, you don't think of the basic harmonic oxidation process of the shaft. There's also microflex on the shaft because of the vibration giving up by the bow. That's a whole mm. different ballgame that I discovered. That's the reason, if you look at Fine Art, we got an entire titanium system just because of that discovery. So, um, no. yeah, mm-hmm. um, we're getting uh, we're getting a little off track. So I want to dial it. Yes, back. absolutely. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> we're almost we're almost fifty minutes into the recording, so I want to dial it back. Um, I think we need to cover the benefits of your shafts compared to the competition. Oh, absolutely. The, mm-hmm. the, as Dave already said, that first of all, our shafts have that capability, and because of the uh, the the foliar construction. That also prevented microflex. That's the reason I bring that in because see, the layer three, which is 45 and 135 degree, when microflex come into play, that layer control the microflex. Mm-hmm. That's the reason I bring that in because see, I was ready to bring back in. You said, because every single layer that I put in it has a reason. The first layer is give you the base foundation. The second layer is give you the, the, uh, the spine string. The third layer is prevent torsion. The third layer is most important for two reasons. One of them is prevent microflex. And the second reason for that is that you prevent the torsion. And the final wrapping of the outside, you give you the ultimate loop string and also accident prevention. Just like if you really, really hold an arrow weave shaft and you bend it all the way until it breaks, 
it don't break in one pieces. It bring in five to nine pieces, chunks. In other words, it really behaves like tempered glass. Just like if you break a normal glass, you got spur everywhere. But when you break a tempered glass, you got small cubes. Arrow weave will break like that when it happens. Mm. Unless you got crushed. Then you just break on the crush point with clean cut. Which I think is it's really... important. I think it's important to note that, you know, talking just in relation to shafts, and, I, do, and I, I try and tell my customers this all the time, you know, uh, I'll have customers that just want to buy veins like Aerovane threes and put them on a basic shaft with an insert and it doesn't work that we got to approach this thing as a whole system. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, while the, while shafts have different perks, you know, some can be lighter, some can be heavier. You know, you look at the arrow weave, which I looked at as encompassing an overall aspect of durability, strength, linear spine, um, all that. When you implement the components into that concept system, Aerovane 3, when we start uh, talking about gyroscopic procession, it's probably going to be in later videos, all that really enhances the shaft. Um, so I think it's important that the, the listeners don't assume that, you know, they can gain 30 or 40% more efficiency just by getting a shaft or just oh, yeah. by getting veins. In some cases, just, just putting an error vein three on a basic shaft can actually work backwards um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and decrease it because it, you have a shaft that, that, you know, is not designed that well. It only has a basic uh, insert versus a concept system. And they figure, oh man, it doesn't perform like you said it does. That's why I really don't even get into, you know, selling veins for people who tell me that they want to do that. <laughs> well, actually, I'll, I'll tell you another bad thing about if you do not understand it, you do not get a good dealer or have no basic idea. You buy arrow, say you go ahead and get it yourself, a set of arrow weave, and you build it the way you want. I will guarantee you that is to be the worst set of arrow you ever ever use. Because you remember mm -hmm. now the spine is linear. And if you do not align the spine correctly, that is going to exaggerate significantly on an 80% of any high level of ball. So your arrow, every arrow hitting the different spots because you're not aligning them because the spine is absolute. Right. And, th and then there's not only speed of the arrow as far as launch people are talking, but when you start implementing arrow veins, now speed comes into play with high rotational flight. We got speed coming at it in circular. From the other end, I mean, which now we really want a, a shaft that's going to have more torsion control. Um, we want a shaft that has concept system into it. You know, I, I myself, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, controversial, but I've had shooters, you know, shoot deer with confidence at 100 plus yards. Um, everything well, from big mule deer to white tail shot, shots on uh, elk at 50, 60. I mean, um, it's pretty... It's it, it's pretty astonishing to what can what can be achieved when you you're working with an entire system. Well, for long distance shoots and so on, I think I'm going to bring in uh, uh, the guy from Triple Double A Archery out of uh, Southern Illinois. His customers have shooting deer at 120, 130 on vertical bows, which most people don't even possible. <laughs> but uh, he that's what he builds he, because in on those places when you have a lot of planes and just like the my. My dealer out of uh, 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 Screaming Eagle and also a Fulcrow Archery of Alaska. Anything under 75 yards is considered cheap shot. So let, let's bring it back to final version. I want to talk about Arrow Weave. In other words, 
We I did everything I could in it. But on the first bill, don't try to do it on your own. Get yourself a good dealer. Because you're dealing with an ultra high performance piece. Everything is every mistake you make with this shop will exaggerate. Yeah. Because in other words, I'm exploiting every single benefit. But if you just slap it together, there's no more benefit. There's downside. Because every single thing that you think you do not want will actually show up. Right. Many of the people, well, I find, uh, I would say my most evident um, mistake that I get from shooters or, or that they're not informed, you know, we'll get into this in other podcasts, is when they just buy, when they buy these arrows that they don't have the, uh, the knowledge that the knock is critical to the fit of the, uh, the serving, which plays in the part with everything. You know, t- you know oh, absolutely. the knock is like the tires on the NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, but the, see, we will talk about that in a, in a whole different episode. I think people will love it. I think the next episode we're going to talk about is just not the insurance. Uh, but yes, but remember, we need to talk about how the shaft itself has such big, because see, it's like, I would say my, my one of my best friends owned a pizza shop told me, until you know what flower is, they ain't going to get no good pizza. <laughs> Right. Well, with your shaft, with it being linear spine, technically you're building the shaft to only have one spine. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, uh, yes, versus that's, that's, versus some of these shafts can have two or three spines that present a problem because you know when you have that, you I mean, you can get into a whole other area of calling because you can't, you know, ha, you know how how do you dictate and control the second or third dairy bending points and match them up. I mean, you'd have to get into measuring the measuring the shaft on distance that they're they're spaced apart to get them. I mean, as a whole other element that would drive up the call. Well, that's exactly building. where the components and, and the spine location process come in. So technically, if you got a, if you were to use arrow shaft, arrow weave, the number one, the minimum requirement is that you get yourself a decent dealer and you or you have at least at least a spine first dynamic bend spine locator system. Otherwise, this will be totally sort of pointless. Right. Because it's like trying to buy yourself a best set of tires, but you didn't balance it. You just slapped the tires onto the car. What do you think it's going to do? It will be the worst set of tires you've ever driven. That is a guarantee. And right. what I want to, anybody listening to get out of this thing is that, yes, the moment you want performance, the moment you want to go over that 315 feet per second, everything we talk about matters. The higher the let off, the more it matters. And the moment when we're going to be two S from now, we talk about veins, you'll see how critical it gets. And I do have some numbers with, with the help of Professor Selig because we do a lot of aerodynamic testings and what kind of implication, because back then the Olympic gold medalist Rod White helped me a lot of the vein, uh, vein impact that's back test in 2014 and 13. So this this reports and these records are like close to nine years old. So I'm gonna share this with you because I don't I don't think a lot of people even know it exists. And yes, um, I'm I'm before I close off for this day, I'm gonna tell people that the end of this month, we're gonna spend close to two weeks using a DAPA radar testing because we want to put out hard numbers. That means when you shoot an arrow with high let off, medium let off, low let off, high FOC, medium FOC, low FOC, with 
arrow, with place of Aeroving 2, Aeroving 3, what is the arrow speed? Because with a operator system, I can now track 20, 30, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. That means when arrow and arrow fly by, I got five numbers. I can't wait for that. So, yeah, because see, I don't think a lot of people understand just because you shoot something fast now. I say, oh, I got, I got 315 feet per second out of the bow. What's the speed at 30 yards? Yeah, that's a big deal. Because see, the moment, see, me working with crossbow companies so much, a 60-yard point, the variation on a perfect build, like gyroscopic, high FOC, uh, the fully harmonic cancellation process, you can lose as little as 1%. Wow. But you can also lose as much as 45% energy. Huh, which is a lot. <laughs> but then in the crossbow world, if you've got 200 KE, so you lost 45, you still have 110. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that's where the problem is that people don't think those. I mean, just like when you do got 505 feet per second, my first take of it is that right on the get go, and, and, and you're going to lose 40% energy at 60 yards. Yeah. And if you in, don't in crossbow right, world, I know. I had guys, uh, you know, give me feedback and shoot this, but you know, I I build you know a lot of stuff for like Raven shooters that uh, had one guy at a Delaware who shot um, a 462 grain arrow, left the bow at 382 feet per second. Um, this is based on you know 400 foot per second bow, and the his hundred yard uh, his hundred yard chrono still was almost 330 i think it was like 328 or 329 which is yielding 110 pound of ke um you know and when i seen another guy post i believe it was on crossbow nation he posted something like a 400 and it's either a 400 or 420 grain arrow but at 100 yards it was if i call right like 30 feet per second slower hmm. well why why do why is the lighter arrow that's shooting faster losing at a you know at 100 yards 20 30 feet per second over a heavier weight arrow i mean that that initially blows people's minds when it's you know everybody thinks the lighter arrow should be shooting faster when we come to the conclusion that i can make a you know i can i can make this heavier arrow produce down range i mean there's there's a that's a whole other ball game when you start involving the concept system um on that and just you know, it's it's it was awesome feedback. I mean, he literally shot like a half inch group at a hundred. What are you doing? That? Yeah. Well, and I want to say since we're going to close this thing right now, I will add another portion to the the reason I also make spot weave because I also the reason that main reason I make the spot weave because I find out the entire arrow market, everybody is looking for super lightweight shaft. The spot weave because of the way I constructed, I actually intentionally make it the heaviest weight in shaft, not in components. Because see, a lot of people like to put a huge amount of weight in the front, but then they're weakening the entire arrow as a whole. But using a heavier shaft, just like Dave just talked about, you actually get better retaining of energy. And that's the reason, if you want to build something in that category, which is multi-directional uh, layer impregnated carbon, the heavier weight one is better. And that's the reason, you know, when I talked to Rick McKinney about the cheetah over the rhino, the rhino is a much better hunting shaft than the cheetah for that exact reason. Penetration, arrow, 
uh, energy retaining and so on. But we that we are talking back in the nine but nineteen early nineteen nineties. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to touch on one thing too. Um, you, we have this in our notes. Uh, I don't think if you talked about it, I missed it. But um, when you look at the arrow weave on FireKnock.com, you start looking at the specs. You don't list a um, shaft straightness, and you wanted, you wanted to talk about myth busting shaft straightness. And uh, oh, build, absolutely! I need mm-hmm. to I need That's to personally one. understand this. Okay, good. First of all, let me start with the first question. When you shoot an arrow, when the arrow is in flight, when is the arrow ever straight? Just when it's on the arrow rest. And when it hit the target and finished. Yeah. So anybody know if on a fifth, on a 65% at off, on a correctly spined arrow, that's going to be 50,000 flex in the entire arrow flight. If you do 80% that off on a correct spine arrow, it's going to be closer to seven to 80,000. If you increase the FOC, that oscillation cycle number goes up higher. Every cycle that it flexes, energy is used. Now you know why the thinner the shaft the higher the let off, the more energy lost in the process. Can we skewer the equation? Yes, absolutely. We, by increasing the total error weight, that increase the momentum, the, the total energy loss in flex will be decreased because it's not as significant. In other words, you talk about ratios. The ratio of loss is gonna be less because it's heavier. That's exactly that- why, yes. Uh- uh, you know, I would say a lot of people that, you know, are going for straightness when, you know, the predictability, the accuracy, the consistency between arrows comes with within us building to the dynamic bend of the shaft, which we've mentioned several times. This podcast mentioned um, and there we talked about briefly the PAP system. But when we locate the spine and we get that across the batch of the um, arrows, there's where your consistency um comes in into uh, grouping, although we don't like to group arrows, although that's what I tell my customers all the time. Don't group the arrows. You could break them. I said, but now that I said this, if you want to support the shop, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly really right. But then we need to understand in today's arrow world, we also have to deal with the fact is that every arrow have memories. The memory as defined as that as you flex the arrow and you do not go by the first dynamic band, you create the secondary band, which can be override the first dynamic band. That's the reason, in my opinion, and based on my research, the best arrow are about 3,000 straightness. So if we get and a three to 5,000 arrow, like you're saying, the mistake of the arrow works in our advantage because we get better memory out of it versus the zero, zero, 001 is more susceptible to, let's just say, change. Correct. And that's the reason a lot of people say, oh, I shoot this arrow, this batch of arrow, every one of them for, say, 75 times. Some arrows shoot better than others. What actually happened is that the memory effect kicked in and the first dynamic band moved. That's Mm -hmm. the reason I told people, you really enjoy your shaft. Some companies' manufacturing process will mitigate this more, but some won't. And also from different sizes of shaft, 
like the 166 will actually have more of this effect over the 300 size. But if you use a higher modulation carbon, this is less in, high, in larger size compared to smaller size. So everything is conditional and it's not single condition, it's multi-conditional. And until you understand all this, when people say, oh, I know this aero company is great. People don't understand it's great for a certain size, not all sizes. I think the, uh, I, I may have mentioned this in the earlier podcast, I'm not sure. But like when you, when you first sent me the uh, first trials of uh, arrow weave shaft, you know, those shafts were, you know, something like eight to 13 thousandths. I mean, they were, I mean, by, by no, by no means, everybody would have criticized them, you know, checking the straightness. But when I, when I built them, I spine located them, right? I produced a, uh, a two and a quarter inch group at over 92 yards from a vertical bow, which, you know, for me being a hunter, you know, average shooter type hunter class setup, that was, that was, and I, and you know, it was, it, I, you know, would shoot two inch groups at 70, two inch groups at, you know, 50 with them, just remarkable to consistency. At that point is when I realized, you know what, this zero, zero, one stuff, you know, that's basically a, um, a marketing get up. I mean, if you want to crack an extra 15, $20 on a dozen to make yourself feel better, that's about what you're doing. Um, you know, well, and, and that's some that's reason why I don't advertise straightness. I won't, I won't uh, knock people for doing the, that because see, I, I, I remember my last, my very good original conversation with Marvin Tauston, which is the original owner of GoTip. I say, Marvin, why do you make the 001, 003, 007, 5, and 00, 010? <laughs> what are they? I say, they are all 100% identical. I say, why? Then if we sort them by straightness, we've got different price points arrows. <laughs> but then if you know how to build it, which is one of the, I, I think a lot of the industry as a whole really do not want to tell anybody this. The strictness of the arrow in today's compound bow. It, the reason that people are strictness because that is where you think of consistency. But with a higher the level of the consistency is not in the weight. The consistency is in the first dynamic band and the spine. Just like the, the one of the guy who won the most medal in archery, Rick Bikini will tell you, the spine is everything. Mm -hmm. The weight is not even as critical as the spine. And some people are so critical on weight. We find out that, yes, weight will have an impact, I would say within 0.5%, even up to 1%, you're not going to feel the difference. As a matter of fact, if most people will build the arrows, go measure a thousand blazers and tell me the variance. And I will leave oh. it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's good. That, that uh, cleared up the... Uh, when you when I was looking at the notes, uh, and I know we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast about um, how straightness is even measured, is a little bit uh, misconceiving. So, uh, thank you for clearing that up. Is there uh, is there anything else you guys want to add to this? No, or? I think I think this will be wonderful. Oh, I, I want to add this part to it. Well, if you want to look at all the video that Dave was talking about, go to vitallimit.com. At the same time, we have find out uh, with uh, with. <laughs> Was very gracious uh, from uh, uh, from uh, uh, from uh, Cameron 
we allowed to get our audio file and then we actually started a YouTube channel called the Final Podcast. The reason we do that is because we need a way for you to ask questions and we need a way to answer questions permanently. So every single podcast that Cameron make, we will now relist that on Final Podcast channel. Uh, I would say after, I would say so it should be up by now, but I don't know because the, the my my web uh, my web manager is working on it. So when it's up, you will be there. So that all question that you have because you will find out a lot of people can't find a way to ask me. They email me, they call me, but I think if they ask me, I would like the question to be on that page so everybody can see it. As time goes on, that YouTube final podcast page we have all the podcasts, all the questions all the answers so we can refer back to it because see i don't think your like apple podcast allow you to add comments per episode no so this will give you a way out which i think will really benefit to all of us 